Adventure Presentation. What's up, everybody? Welcome to... This doesn't look straight. One sec. <laughs> God damn it. Everything is... Okay, I'm doing it now. Three and a two and... We should just keep that in. We might. I don't know. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 117 of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside. He's allergic to tomatoes, but he's tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Matt, you're looking a little bit like uh, your cosplaying Jacques Cousteau. Oh, oh yeah, a little bit. I I got that going a little bit. I got my little Star Trek looking uh, Cineplex Odeon. This is my uniform from when I worked at Cineplex. Uh, two thousand. When did Borat come out? Six. Two thousand six. Okay. I opened the Oshawa Cineplex when they still had these uniforms. So that's sixteen um, years ago, Matt. Good lord. <laughs> Good Lord, I'm old. I'm old. Uh, Eric, how are you doing? Well, Matt, let me tell you, I'm excited to talk. <laughs> oh, you don't have it on. Oh, damn it. Damn it. <laughs> oh, there we go. I don't have mine. But... I'm excited to talk about the Critics' Choice Awards. Let's get down to it. <laughs> yeah, today we're going to be talking about um, all the winners from the uh, Critics' Choice Awards as well as the Critics' Choice Super Awards. Uh, Eric and I, you guys, if you're you know, frequent listeners of the show, probably know that we vote uh, in the Critics' Choice Awards. So it's kind of not if you're on YouTube because there's uh, only about like twenty to thirty per regular oh, show. Stop, stop! Stop! We're an audio podcast. That's why people immediately they click on it and they go oh, two hours and forty five minutes. Absolutely not. Um, and then they it's shorter on. than Drive My Car and the Batman. I hate that so much um what's what's new man we haven't done a regular episode for a few weeks because the last couple of weeks we did an after party spoiler cast a batman spoiler cast i mean we've done reviews that people can check out um tons and tons of stuff but um we haven't done a regular show in a little while yeah i mean it's it's always good to stay regular so um you know i've been eating yeah. a lot of bran um mm-hmm. you know and, mm-hmm. and thank you for what that, have you but man. but not a lot i mean like it's just kind of been you know getting back into a kind of normal routine with going to press screenings at least once or twice yeah. a week maybe um i rsvp'd for morbius so i know, did too but i'm at a different one because i couldn't do the morning one so you know I'm going, we, we got to get our jared Leto in content the in there i was originally um, i i tweeted this because i i couldn't go to the the morning press screening so uh i was like oh maybe i'll go see it in 4dx the way not? it was meant to be seen um but then i'm i'm going to uh mad max at in 35 mil at the light box on thursday night the same the night original or fury road fury road okay um uh nevis's friend and and uh he works at tiff matt brown wrote a uh, book about mad max and he is introing the movie uh at tiff uh he also works at tiff um on their web team and uh well so did um kyle buchanan right because he has a new book out as well which is kind of like about the making of fury road specifically and everything that kind of went behind the scenes of that and then also uh george miller is going to be shooting furiosa i think later this year and and also has a new movie coming out with idris elba and tilda swinton which is not mad max related at uh, right which is yeah which is about a genie so or a gin as it's called Mm. so maybe it's a secret wishmaster movie so that should be fun so that didn't that made uh morbius uh tricky 
Um, so I emailed the Sony people and they're like, oh yeah, we have a 7 p.m. screening on Wednesday. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'm going to that. <laughs> so wow, <laughs> we'll have that in a few weeks, but we have reviews up right now. Well, a for, week, a week, Matt. Oh like, my God, it's next week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have reviews. It's not this week, right? No, it's the no, following okay. week, but it's coming up um, April 1st, the day that that movie April was Fools, meant to be yeah. released. Uh, we have reviews for The Outfit, After Yang, uh, The Atom Project, uh, Turning Red, which we'll talk a little bit about on this show. Eric and I also got to go to the press conference for uh, Virtual Turning press Red. conference. Yeah, virtual press conference. But it was fun to hear that team talk about that movie. Um, Fresh, The Batman, No Exit, Uncharted. Lots of reviews. So go check out Untitled Movie Reviews for all of those eric i went for a walk today it's beautiful in toronto um spring is sprung walk through the junction uh got a little sun got a little fresh air it was nice got this david lynch pin um where'd you get that from it uh it's uh nevis went walked into a store it's called bow pins in the junction in toronto um follow us at bow underscore pins if anyone wants to follow them, I don't know if people. So Matt is showing it on the uh, YouTube video that will have twenty to forty-five views. <laughs> well, if you're and listening to the audio, you can go through. over and see. Yeah. It's a David Lynch pin. Oh boy! Or you could just say it's a Lynch pin. Yeah, a Lynch pin. Pin it on your lapel. Um. So that was fun. Did that today. I haven't been. Wa- I've been watching a little bit of stuff. I watched randomly it's been trickling in. I haven't, I've been so, I've been slacking other than all this stuff we've been watching for For review coverage. Well, I mean, you did see X, but we'll be covering that in one of our reviews. So, I mean, you could talk about maybe, you know, going to the, the theater and experiencing uh, the theatrical uh, experience of X versus uh, the critic screening that I was at. Uh, What, how did, how did that go? Why? Well, I mean, what were audiences more dude there was in... like four people in the theater okay. when i went so i went into a, a, an 11 30 a.m uh screening of x at queensway in toronto so there was me uh two other uh young gentlemen and then another guy by himself so there were four of us and we we're right they were in the middle and the two other dudes at the side so uh you didn't get much of a reaction from the audience because they were just pretty far away from me but um i was just asking because it is an a24 elevated horror movie quote unquote and so sometimes when you get like a a, an audience watching that film that are expecting a scream film or a scream movie Mm -hmm. they're not going to get that no a little weirder than that um i mean it still has it's probably more closer to the Texas I Chainsaw think Massacre of, and Scream yes, exactly. and, and Motel Hell and stuff like that. But like it still has like that slow burn that Ty West is known for. Yeah, I think audiences probably I don't know how they that they took it. But like I, I still think it would play interestingly to a, a, a like a Friday night crowd or something like that. But uh, that's the I'm, I'm just I'm like 1130 a.m. Perfect. Early morning. Get in. Get out. Um, and we'll have a review for that. It should be up by the time you guys are listening to this as well. So you can check out our review for X as well as the fuck else are we recording today? <laughs> uh, that is uh, a good question, Matt. Why am I blanking I just on blanked. this? I just texted I you. I am literally just what blanking is, on this as what well. Have it's like we're we having watched? a shared blank experience. Yeah. X and what the hell else did we watch? I watched oh, Deep Water. Than you. Deep Water. That was it. Yeah. That tells that already tells you how yeah. enthusiastic we are about that movie. <laughs> yeah. So go check out our review of Deep Water uh as well. 
which is streaming on uh, Prime Video here in Canada and Hulu in the U.S. Um, yeah, there was too much Sebastian Stan uh, R-rated content on Disney Plus, so mm-hmm. Disney Plus in Canada had mm-hmm. to move it over to uh, Prime Video. Mm-hmm. The only other thing I randomly watch before we get into the Critics' Choice um, uh, winners and things like that, uh, I watched uh, Mystery Alaska. <laughs> on disney plus so um another thing that i did i went to the nhl heritage classic last weekend um which was last sunday exactly a week from uh today and um uh, it was a blast like it was my first big event i've gone to since uh you know kind of the pandemic so it was outside so i felt a little bit better it was an outdoor hockey game and uh the leafs were terrible as per usual though they made a big trade today uh, got Mark Still not going to do anything. Shut up. <laughs> um, there's always hope, you know? No, don't um, stop that. <laughs> and uh, so the night before, I was like, all right. Nevis fell asleep. I'm like, what can I watch before bed? I was a little stony baloney. And I was like, what should I watch? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get in the outdoor hockey mood. Is Mystery Alaska streaming anywhere? And thank God I went on Just Watch and I typed in Mystery Alaska and it is on Disney Plus. Oh yeah. God, I I love that terrible movie. It's awful. Like it's really bad and um, but weirdly nostalgic for me. And I thought it was like the perfect thing to watch the night before seeing an outdoor hockey game. And that movie is all over the place, both tonally um and just from a storyline perspective uh that it's just i i had a blast laughing at it and watching it because it's just there's so much thrown into that movie that is completely unnecessary i realize in all of our youtube um uh previews my hands are always doing this I, i'm a very hand talker talker one on, on the Seinfeld show reference so again for the 30 people that watch the podcast well actually re- went down to 25 yeah our reviews get more okay guys okay. i i'm a hand talker as well matt so it's okay. i saw it on both of us um yeah. that movie is awful but it, it's just weirdly charming um to me i mean some of it doesn't hold up uh comedy wise but um I love uh, the cast uh, with Burt Reynolds and um, uh, it's Burt Reynolds, right? Yeah, I'm not blanking. Yeah, and um, and uh, Russell Crowe. Uh, Russell Crowe is is fantastic, and um, and this just... was when Russell Crowe was starting to become kind of a name in Hollywood because just before that he had done the insider or was doing that around that time and LA confidential and had romper stomper. So like he, that was like right around the time, like he was becoming this big name in Hollywood, even though he had done other stuff before that. Mm -hmm. But, um, and Will Sasso's in it as well, isn't he? Doesn't, doesn't he have like a small cameo or a small role or might he might, uh, Hank Azaria is in it and has like a, a, a big uh, role and the movie is just all over the place though. Like there's so much in there that is just like, he might be, but I don't remember. Um, I don't think so. Michael McKean is in it for a little bit. (laughs) Like he's like the, the guy coming in to build like a Walmart or something or like, and they, they hate him and he gets shot by one of the dudes, but I just love what you're doing on your Sunday night. I just love the idea of like a a small town in Alaska that is so small. They have this great group of hockey players that no one knows about and no one knows is incredible. And they bring an NHL team to play them is awesome. But then on top of that, you have all these weird, like a B and C plots. Like the a plot is this hockey team coming in, but then like there's a B plot, 
of like Hank Azaria might be like Russell Crowe's wife might be like rekindling her high school love with Hank Azaria's character. There's something about like the mayor, the mayor's wife is sleeping with one of the hockey players. And there's like all these kind of random um, B, C and D plots throughout the movie. And they're all so overly dramatic and soap opera. -y, and like, just the movie just jumps tonally from like a raunchy comedy to, um, to a, a drama to it's just it, it's sports movie inspirational sports movie because then you have russell crowe's the old guy who they who's the the town sheriff and they take him off the team because he's slow and they want a new young guy and then you know burt reynolds is his daughter is um sleeping with with another one of the players i think the young guy that's bringing up but then he doesn't like that but then he was the former coach that they have to bring in. it's so it's just there's so much going on. It and sounds very those, convoluted for a story that's it's about so, hockey. Yeah. Have you not seen it? I um, have. It's been a very long yeah. time, though. I, I remember watching it once and not caring for it because I'm just not a hockey guy. Yeah. But, um, I think it helps I mean, that I am a hockey guy and I like the idea of like an NHL team coming in and playing some like random team. And I yeah. when they come out in the new jerseys with the M on it, I'm like, I got to get one of those jerseys. And um it's just it's very silly and it's it's not a good movie at all but um it's a movie that i just enjoy the i enjoy the shit out of um because it's you know bad fun for me anyway colmini's in it as the mayor yeah uh murray chalkin um who was a, a big canadian actor um, um ron kevin, eldard kevin duran um who oh this is probably where russell crowe met all these guys so kevin duran scott grimes um, we're both in, um, he's in three Robin Hood. Yuma and Noah as well. So he's in yeah. like a lot of Russell Crowe stuff. So um, Russell Crowe is almost like an Adam Sandler type where like he befriends these guys and asks them. You know, oh yeah. Like them. Kevin Durant's in a bunch of Russell Crowe stuff and I didn't even realize. Oh, Michael McKean's um, in this too. Yeah. I just said that. Yeah. He really plays like, like uh, Michael McKean comes in and plays like he's in a few scenes and then there's like a whole subplot where he gets shot and there's like a courtroom scene where he's trying to get one of the guys in jail. And I'm just like, why is all of this in this movie? Like, Holy there's just... shit. Yeah. There's a Critics' um, Choice member that's in this movie. No, really? Yeah. Terry David Mulligan, who I've met a couple of times. Interesting. Um, is a Vancouver film critic. Because um, they probably shot it in Vancouver, I think. Yeah. Um that's hilarious uh as an extra or did he oh mike it's... myers is in it and that's what's like mike myers plays like he's again, dr like in... henry savage <laughs> sure but like there's so much going on in this movie that i just like it, i don't know i had a blast watching it. we should do a review of this we should film. do a retro review of this oh if you want to watch it i i'm absolutely i'm now down, almost but... tempted I was thinking of starting a, a, like another show, even though we probably do too much already. Like, I would love a retro review show. Um, of it's just got a weird – so Jay Roach directed it, which explains uh, – Mike Myers. Appearing. Mike Myers, but also yeah. just thinking of where Jay Roach is in his career. But the guy who also wrote it or shares writing credit is David E. Kelly. Yeah, The guy who created Boston Legal and I Big know. Little Lies, and you're just kind of like it, – It's a bizarre movie, dude, and like it's – uh, that's why like it has all this random overly dramatic like bullshit surrounding Carter Burwell it, is the composer? yeah the score Jesus. dude the score is great right when I saw his name pop up I was like damn this movie like they definitely wanted it to be this thing and it 
I don't think it ever like I remember at the time it being for people who liked hockey it being like a fun I'm watching this now because I also looked at the Um, cinematographer and it's all coming full circle now Peter Deming is the cinematographer who's David Lynch's yeah usual guy there you go he shot mystery Alaska (laughs) twin Um, peaks the return it's um yeah watch it it's just i don't I, know i got it now i think me being you know kind of stoned lying in bed watching it i was like laughing at it a lot but um i had quite the good time watching it so that's like the only thing and i watched all the marvel one shots last night because kind of funny he's doing uh an in review of them because they a lot of them hadn't seen them and uh i hope they bring that back that format i think that would be like a fun and they're kind of doing that with that werewolf by night thing that Michael Giacchino is directing. But that seems to be more like a 40 minute to an hour, like Halloween special that I'm sure they might do every year where the one shots being between three minutes and 15 minutes. Uh, I think it could just be a fun way to, you know, up and coming filmmakers or maybe, I don't know, whoever other people at Marvel just give them certain smaller stories to do. Like, I think they're like, it's not perfect, but the item 47 short, I think is really interesting that, um, takes place like right after, uh, the first Avengers movie, um, and has Lizzie Kaplan and Jesse Bradford as like two regular people who find one of the Chitari swim like, uh, fan guns. himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there's another movie we can do a retro review for. Oh um, God. That movie probably does not hold up. <laughs> no, I, I highly doubt it. Um, I would like smaller little stories like that that take place in the world, but um, well, there is the like... one that that does actually narratively connect to Shang Chi, right? With with Ben Kingsley's yeah. Mandarin being in jail, right? All so hail like the king, s- yeah, all, yeah. So if you've seen that. And then you watch Shang-Chi, you can kind of fill in the blanks of how... It was fun to watch that one going back now, seeing Shang-Chi, right? And seeing Trevor Slattery pop up in that movie. And you got Scoot McNary in that. and uh, Sam Sam Rockwell. Rockwell. Yeah, great. With Uh, glasses. He has glasses um, in that one scene, right? Where he's like reading the paper. Yeah, or he's reading a magazine with him on the cover. No, Tony Stark maybe on the... Or Pepper Potts on the cover. Um yeah, it's uh they're fun, you know, like they're they're not great, but like um you know, you got those early ones with uh what's his face who gets killed uh who's in uh, uh, oh my god, why am I blanking on him? Uh Clark Gregg. Name? Clark Gregg. Yeah. And then It's uh, Agent Phil Colson, everybody's Phil Coulson, favorite hero. Yeah. Uh and then you got a whole bunch of them from Taika Waititi with that kind of uh uh team thor and team daryl kind of thing which are those were the funny. best because yeah, they were like were the really office funny. kind yes, of yeah. style i don't mind those living. they reminded me i think what they should do if they if they do kind of bring them back is what pixar always did with like their shorts where they yeah. would have like a short with the blu-ray or dvd when it was released you know for, in the same world or, or connecting to you know the next movie that they yeah. were making yeah yeah totally and i think that could be fun even if you played them before like um a movie and i think like whether they it could be better i guess what that's what the post credit scenes have sort of become and and stuff like that like uh, they're almost you know much shorter than these but um i'd still like to see these make a comeback especially with disney plus like you could easily just have these every once in a while and and keep that uh, you know do weirder smaller stuff random stuff like i'd like something that takes place during the blip maybe of like just regular people and how they dealt with that and um 
just more world building that like smaller stories that we would never get in a Disney plus show or in a movie. So I had a good time watching them and and they're really short and they're all on Disney plus now, which is why it's a lot easier uh, to watch them. You used to have to like either own a Blu-ray or (laughs) who does that anymore (laughs) or um, put a disc in guy. And then um, uh, if you go look at the video version, see where Eric's sitting. Um, or uh, you had to like youtube them and then they were always it's they're all in one place now so they're all easily accessible in hd you know surround sound and stuff like that so um that's kind of what i've been watching and what about you anything other than stuff for review or yeah mostly i I just want to quickly go back i mean yeah please you touched on it with uh werewolves at night and 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 michael giacchino directing this you know known as a composer for yeah good for him man yeah um I think it's really interesting. Trying to take just, everyone's jobs. Now. Yeah, I know. Michael Giacchino will act. <laughs> he's going to come in. He's like, Matt, but, you're no longer needed on Family Feud Canada. We've hired Michael Giacchino to write questions. It'd be amazing if there was one movie that stars, directed, produced, edited, composed, yeah. um, you know, everything by Michael Giacchino. But what I find interesting about that, because the way it's described and in, in, it almost feels like it's like Marvel's version of the EC comics, like the Tales from the Crypt kind yeah. of stuff. Um, and obviously, like they're probably setting this up to include maybe that the 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 werewolf character who's being played by uh, Gail Garcia Bernal, um, maybe within like the Blade universe or the Dark universe with with Moonlight down Moon Knight down not Moonlight Moon Knight down the line. Um, so I, I'm just kind of curious: is like, are they are they doing these kind of like mini one off? almost like episodes to kind of see like, Oh, do we continue this character in a series of for themselves or do we bring them into the fold in someone else's storyline? And and I'm just curious about that. Yeah. I I think it's probably um, what you just mentioned of like maybe a character that we don't need a whole series for just kind of like what I said about the one shot where, which I guess this is just a a beefed up version of that, where I think werewolf by night or or I forget the actual character's name. um, That's his name. Werewolf by night. Yeah. Um, It will just pop up in other things I'm assuming. And it's ways to introduce characters, especially like, it seems like they're just trying to get this giant roster of people for whatever, maybe secret wars or, you know, maybe there's going to be a, uh, not a, even a dark Avengers, but a midnight suns, which is another team. Like someone ha- had a good idea. There's a great episode. Uh, Tim Gettys and Eric Voss from new rock stars did a MCU in preview show. And if you guys watch any, if you're a big MCU person, you've probably watched Eric's breakdown videos of the movies and trailers like that over on new rock stars. And then everyone knows that I'm a huge kind of funny fan and I've been on their shows and stuff. So they did a preview episode and they talked about like, Maybe that they're going to be building instead of like, you know, the one Avengers team, like the next phase of Marvel might just be a bunch of different smaller teams. Like you have the Guardians and then you have um, maybe the Young Avengers and then you have the Fantastic Four coming up and maybe X-Men get brought in and then you have Midnight Suns and then you have which the would Dar- include Blade like, and, and yeah. uh, Black Knight. Right? Yes. Like- yeah. And Moon Knight and, and, and stuff like that. So Midnight Suns and Ghost Rider, if they introduce Ghost Rider and, and um, then you might have da- the Dark Avengers or the Thunderbolts. And, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, William Hurt um, just recently passed away. 
Um, so I'm not sure how they'll take the kind of Thunderbolt Ross kind of approach um, for the Thunderbolts and maybe they'll make it Dark Avengers. Um, but yeah, it seems like maybe there's going to be a bunch of different teams and then maybe that will lead into like a Secret Wars or something like that. But um, I could see Werewolf by Night being part of that Midnight Suns kind of, you know, uh, team or or group in the MCU. So um, I hope they do more of them. We know we're getting the Guardians Christmas special, which is like uh, another just one one off kind of thing, um, which is awesome. Like James Gunn writing and directing that as well. So I hope like they do more of these. So I guess you really want to taste that one. Yeah. I I really hope that they uh, do more of these one-offs, right? Like if we get one every Halloween uh, for a different kind of, you know, darker MCU character or something like that. And I'm sure they'll brand it some sort of terrifying tales or whatever MCU or Marvel comic name they've had for something like that. But well, um, even bringing in now that they have the rights back to the Netflix series you could probably even see them maybe doing something with that where instead of doing a whole new season of daredevil or jessica jones or luke cage you could do like a you know a special like a, an hour or 45 minute you know edition a one-off for one of them yeah and um werewolf by night is the character's name so we're good nice and, but his actual name is jack russell so, please my dad uh, called everybody calls uh my dad mr werewolf with night it's just yeah. it's just wolf <laughs> that's really funny yeah i'm pumped i mean good for michael giacchino man like that's uh dude's been on everything um the last few years i mean since lost he's just i felt like done more and more and more and more and more and more so um i'm pumped with that and i want them to keep doing weird one-off things like that it's kind of exciting um, yeah, I mean, I kind of would have liked to have seen like a feature length, like Marvel werewolf movie, just like a genre film in general. But I mean, yeah, it, it, I'm sure it's it'll an be hour, fun. then that, yeah. that'll be fun, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, it can't be any worse than Hubie Halloween, right? I haven't watched it yet. I've been saving either. it, you know, <laughs> just for a special occasion. Uh, yeah. Uh, what else you been Maybe watching? during Christmas. Um, so the kind of, I guess, the main thing I watched a couple weeks ago, because it just turned 100, uh, was Nosferatu. Wow, there you um, go. Yeah, which, I mean, I don't have a lot to say other than, like, obviously, the imagery is still very effective and has inspired countless generations of filmmakers when it comes to creating gothic um, imagery in the sort of subgenre of the vampire or vampire um, uh, Max Shrek as the titular Nosferatu um, is still really unnerving. And it made me want to go back and rewatch shadow of the vampire, the kind of behind the scenes making of movie with Willem Dafoe and uh, John Malkovich, um, which is available on streaming, but it's never had a Blu-ray release of any kind, which is kind of uh, interesting considering Willem Dafoe got an Oscar nomination for a supporting actor as well. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like I don't, again, don't really have much to say other than I think it's a classic. I think it's mm-hmm. also a very creepy movie. I, I also yeah. really love the Werner Herzog uh, remake from the seventies uh, with uh, Klaus Kinski, which is much more deliberately paced and, um, kind of really gets into the production design of everything but um yeah and it also just has me curious like if robert eggers is going to start production bring that up on yeah. his version of it this year because 
he's been working i remember interviewing him for the witch at tiff and he and brought he that said, up right yeah and he literally said to me like look i know it's already been remade by Werner, and like you know there are countless other dracula movies so like what's the point of it um but he said that like he had a very specific take that he wanted to kind of go with and so thinking about that um it'll be interesting to see if like after the northman he goes right into production on it because i've heard that he's already kind of like booked sort of like locations in eastern europe to shoot the movie this summer i think in prague specifically um so again you know with the with the world the way it is we'll we'll see how it goes but um he already has also anya taylor joy um cast and rumors is willem dafoe will play a role whether he plays uh nosferatu or dracula again or plays renfield or something like that will be really interesting but yeah the the kino blu-ray release is available it's one of those creepy silent films that um just it has a way of still getting under your skin even though obviously it's 100 years old and it maybe isn't necessarily scary in the sense of like you know what you're expecting from from movies nowadays yeah, but you for can, sure. you can see the dna of that film in so many movies even still absolutely i haven't seen it since film school so it's been 10 or 15 years but um 100 years wow that's yeah. wild wild anything else no not really i've been watching uh, uh i've been catching up with how to with john wilson so i yeah. watched the the retail or the uh, how to become a a, a landowner a realtor okay, kind of yeah, in yeah. Uh, New York, which was like his first episode um, to season two and kind of got back like into the routine during COVID. When's that so, premiering? So it's already available. Uh, the whole season the whole three se- season. No season two. No, I so, know I've watched season two. Yeah. Okay. Cause I hadn't watched season two. Oh, season, really? Yeah. So, and then the second episode, uh, the how to enjoy wine uh, yeah. episode was amazing because it go- I mean like both episodes are great, but that wine episode literally goes to some wild places and like thinking about like how like, nexus is involved and also this weird sort of um energy drink magnate that kind of reminded me of frank d'angelo who's a Mm -hmm. toronto um entrepreneur and terrible filmmaker um whose movies have been covered on uh, the flop house and things like that Mm -hmm. this whole sequence in florida that's almost like um john wilson stumbles upon a cult that's going on but it's actually a baby shower but it still kind of feels or looks like a like a cult situation um yeah I, i i love the show and it's one of those things where like i think after kind of almost basically binge watching all of season one i just i've decided to take my time with season i'm like two wait a little bit did more. i watch season two because season two was released in december of this year huh i definitely went back because i remember how to yeah how to cook the perfect risotto which is which is the last episode the last, of season one when covid was just starting right yeah and then yeah. I could have sworn I, I powered through season two as well. And then the I... beginning of season two is when he basically buys um, his landlord's um, apartment building because um, she's moving to uh, Las Vegas. And so she offers him uh, this small kind of like um, this home that, but in order to get it, he needs to kind of like go through the bank and learn. I don't know if I have watched like season that. two, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I did. I must've stopped after risotto. And then like, cause I maybe watched it in like November and yeah. then season two was coming out. And then did they announce a season three? Yes. Yeah. They just yeah. announced season three. And it's also funny, like 
when he's kind of looking at his taxes and going to the bank to get a mortgage loan, it's like, okay, how do you, um, you know, legitimize what you're doing on HBO? Like, sure. how do you show that, like, you're going to have, like, a steady income with them? And so what he does is he literally prints off, like, Twitter reviews of, of the show, of of season show. one. And Being then he like... puts them in a folder, and it's called Good Reviews. And then he puts the bad reviews in a folder and puts it under his couch. <laughs> And then that's he funny. and then he brings it to one of the um the the accountants that's working on it, and she goes through. And it's like, yeah, this is this is good. I, yeah, God, the best. And then uh, yeah, I was just talking about that show with some friends we saw um because they loved Nathan for you, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah Nathan Fielder's uh, an yeah. executive producer on the show, yeah, and it is very much that sense of humor where it's like that very awkward interaction, but at the same time, John Wilson is also very good at basically disarming the person he's talking to and getting them to open up in, Mm -hmm. in ways that are unexpected. And especially when like, you know, you think of like this guy has a camera and this kind of like crappy microphone with him all the time. And he's basically documenting everything that he does and who he is as a person. And so, you know, you're going to have your, your, your back against the wall a little bit when you're talking to this guy, but the way he gets people to open up to him in a very kind of um natural fashion and and how you get to see more to the person than you would expect Mm -hmm. um is is very funny like again in in season one there's this amazing sequence that leads to a conversation about the movie parasite that went oh i know that one from zero to a (laughs) hundred very quickly and that the was way, the again, one that John Wilson handles it is amazing. Is, oh yeah, it's incredible. I was telling them about that. I kind of spoiled what it was to them, but I had to pitch them on the show of being like, "There's this one sequence that it just goes to places that you uh, definitely didn't wouldn't expect." I also love the referee union um, <laughs> episode too. <laughs> like, the way that really that funny. again, like, because that episode is all about like, how do you? like pay for like a check like or, or a restaurant bill like how sure, do you like yeah. like tips so right? he like wants to get a referee to his opinion because they're the most like neutral when <laughs> and it then comes finds to that so they he... all argue with each other and they all, and they all want this like steal. tv at this raffle thing it's so funny it's just but it captures like real life in a way that feels almost it's like what nathan fielder did it's like yeah part of it is like him crafting a narrative right but then even more so like nathan fielder feels like he sets up moments and he kind of knows on his end how he wants to go about the bit or whatever but then he finds people who will play along with it or leads them where john wilson feels like he just literally walk it's like the humans of new york kind of thing like he walks around with a camera and he finds the story as he's walking around with a camera and just like finds these miraculous people and just like it's it's so funny there's a thesis there in every episode obviously when it's called like how to enjoy wine and things but then it just he follows something else and then it's just ultimately he's good at making it come together at the end yeah come full circle but it's it's it reminds me weirdly of like a simpsons episode where a simpsons episode will usually start at least the ones that like the best ones will always start with like introducing one story and you think, okay, well, this is going to be the main thing. And then it kind of, it, it's not even a B plot. It just becomes something else about mm-hmm. like 10, 15 minutes into the, the story. Mm-hmm. It goes from one thing to another. And that that's one kind of thing what, led into this other thing. Uh, right? Yeah. And yeah. then that 
kind of becomes the main mm -hmm. focus of it. So like with the wine, sort of like the whole thesis at the beginning is like, oh, he doesn't know what wine to bring at a party. And every time he buys a bottle of wine and he goes to a friend's place, his bottle of wine is never opened or never used. And so like he's talking to a sommelier for like what seems like 30 minutes and he doesn't get anywhere with this guy. And then it goes from, you know, asking about wine to energy drinks from this Florida magnate who literally is Instagramming videos of himself, you know, weightlifting and he has yeah. like multiple wives and children and, and yeah, like he finds getting, these people and then and he, him like, getting into this building yeah. is amazing. Like yeah. it literally, he just walks in and it's yeah. incredible. It's incre awesome. And almost feels like it could also end up like an Ari Aster movie where like, <laughs> like Midsommar, like I was, I was actually generally like concerned for John Wilson's safety in some moments where that's really, really funny. Good stuff. Everyone go check out how to with John Wilson. Now, I guess I need to watch the second season because I thought I yeah. watched it. But now that you're explaining this, I'm like, I definitely have not. I watched that first season and then realized season two wasn't out yet. Um, but the Nexus stuff as well. So Nexus is like this weird like cult, which one of the members is one of the former cast members of um, Smallville. And you yeah. learn that John Wilson um, in the early 2000s, when he was in going to college, he joined an acapella group because <laughs> he, he didn't have like any sense of direction. And he always kind of just went with what everybody else was doing. So he joined an acapella group and he was invited to this event where one of the sponsors of the group was the leader of Nexus. And so you find out like this guy wanted to know what their social security information was and stuff like that. And they almost got him kicked out of school because uh, they argued with this guy about something that was actually like totally fair to uh, critique. And then like, now you learn that the guy who um, was running Nexus, which was a cult is in prison for like 150 years. Sick. <laughs> That's funny. Um, that's awesome. Uh, you want to do some Critics' Choice stuff or what? Let's get down to it, Matt. The Critics' Choice Awards 2022. Uh, so the Critics' Choice Awards were this past uh, uh, last Sunday. Uh, we wanted to do this earlier. Just timelines got kind of messed up. But um, I wanted to go over with Eric all of the winners. We can kind of talk about, you know, gotta whether look, we got to look for the release form. Um, I have it. Um, okay, up, so it. I can bring it up. Don't worry. Um, and we can talk about if we maybe voted for that or if we didn't and, and how we felt about uh, everything as a whole. And then we'll also talk about the super awards, too. Did you want to go through that first or leave that till after? I, we should we should do that after because yeah. it was the same thing. Like, I was wondering when the super awards were going to happen because the, the main show happened before the super awards. And usually the super awards go before the main show. But I think just everything with the delays this year yeah. kind of just made it. So it was weird that, like afterwards it was like oh a couple days later it's like, like oh, critics choice super awards super i know awards. they probably should have spread spread that out a little bit but um very different obviously movies being um show well, there's there sorry. is some overlap, overlap with, for sure. with some of the kind of more i guess prestigious quote sure. unquote, genre um, movies and before we do this i will say uh you might go matt eric the oscars are this weekend um, we know, uh, you guys will get a special, uh, extra episode of the untitled movie podcast, uh, this week, which will be our Oscars preview slash prediction episode. It'll be, uh, hopefully a little bit 
you know, tighter, maybe uh, quicker, just a kind of mini episode, even though I say that and it'll, go, we won't discuss eight yeah, of the um, nominations. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, yeah, God, <laughs> we'll talk about that and other things. So, um, later this week, you'll get the, uh, 118th draft as well, which will be our Oscars, uh, prediction show. So stay tuned for that. Probably up nightmare on, alley, best picture, um, baby on Friday, Oshawa you represent, um, on Friday, you'll get that episode right before the Oscars uh, to check out before the show. Okay, Critics' Choice. Let's start with... You know what? First, we won't go through the TV winners because we don't vote on that. No. Um, but uh, I will give a special shout out to our number one movie of the year winning Best Comedy Special on the TV part of the awards. So, um, you know... Some that would be people. Bo Burnham's inside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't even know. say that. Sorry. My bad. I <laughs> you just assume that, that the 20 to 25 people that are watching. <laughs> okay. This there's new. more that listen. Okay. No, there's um, not. Let's be real. Alex uh, Reed yeah. knows at least seven of them. <laughs> yeah. He just listens on eight different devices. Uh, Bo Burnham's inside did win best comedy special. So that's awesome. Uh, but let's go into the movies. Let's start with best score was Hans Zimmer for Dune. Uh, Hans. I, booby. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if I voted for Hans Zimmer. I what were the nominees? Have. Oh, no, I voted for Johnny Greenwood, I think, okay. uh, for Power of the Dog. Do you remember who you voted for? Um, was Johnny Greenwood for... I think it was Johnny Greenwood for yeah. Power of the Dog. Yeah, we both I had wood too. on that one. <laughs> uh, best song went to No Time to Die from No Time to Die. Uh, totally cool. I think I voted for that. Um, can't yeah, I did as well. Yeah, because um, um, uh, We Don't Talk About Bruno wasn't nominated there either, right? Yep, but being performed at the oscars that why makes, that so makes we're sense. getting rid of the eight nominate like eight categories for a song that didn't get nominated to uh, we'll we talk we'll talk hosts. about that on the other this is so dumb we're going to talk about it on the oscar show this we should also mention choice. that the critics choice this uh, awards this year um not only were on tbs as well but there was a um there were two uh, locations. There was one in LA, which yeah. takes place every year. And there was also one in um, London, in London, England, because the BAFTA, the BAFTA awards were the same day. So some people stayed up until an ungodly hour in London. I guess if you're um, like, you're like on a high already, if you're like winning awards and stuff like that, maybe it, you just can't sleep. So maybe that works out for, for you in general. Yeah. A lot of the winners were in London actually. Yeah. So, um, well, that is my one criticism with with award shows in general, where it becomes so homogenized that everybody wins the same awards, and it just becomes so predictable after a while. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying yeah. you know vote for something just to be different, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have to also vote for the the thing that is, is the front runner sweeping for, yeah. either, right? Just to be in, but I like mean, maybe statistical... it is winning that for a reason, right? Because that means yeah. the majority of people believe that. So I'm I, I get what you're saying, but. Um, because sometimes it does feel like, oh, we want to keep in line with the statistics for. Yeah, you know, I, next I agree year. with you. I just I vote with my. Heart I'm bitter with my malignant gut. not winning. <laughs> I, for this, we'll get to the super awards, okay? Uh, best foreign language film: Drive My Car. I abstained because um, you know I didn't see all of them, so I voted for uh, Drive My Car. Cool. Best animated feature: The Mitchells versus the Machines. I voted for Mitchells versus the Machines. Uh, I think one of the best movies of the year last year. Yeah, it's one of the best animated movies since Delgo. Uh, best comedy. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's random. Um, best comedy movie: Licorice Pizza. Uh, I voted for Barb and Star. 
I think I voted for Barb and Star. What what were the other nominees in that category? Uh, I don't have them all up here. I only have the winners. Um, for fuck's sake, because I didn't necessarily like. I I love licorice pizza, but like in terms of like a a true comedy, I wouldn't necessarily consider. And that, that's like, why the first I voted pick. Barb and Star because I felt like some of the other things were, uh, you know, had representation in other categories and stuff like that. Um. So it, don't look up uh, Free Guy and French Dispatch were the other. Um, yeah, I voted for Barb and Star. Because again, um, Licorice Pizza, love the movie and it, and it does have some great comedic moments. But when I was voting for it, my thought was that it's like, okay, well, you know, it's going to probably win somewhere else or at least it's being represented. Yeah, I thought it would win screenplay or something and it might have. We'll get there. Um, I did watch the whole ceremony as well, and I thought it was a well put together show. Like it was pretty smooth, and everything was seemed. I can't wait to go in person. Honestly, uh, yeah, we, I was supposed to go this year, but you know when it was originally taking place in January, Nevis and I were going to go, but uh, with COVID stuff, we canceled it. Obviously, the award show got punted, and then we just decided maybe next year we'll go all and i think it'll be a little bit more organized in maybe the the year ahead just because this year there were so many delays and understandably with you know the covid variants and things like that but maybe now that they've learned from the situation and also with you know even the golden globes right like even that was kind of a a, um sort of a moment twitter thread yeah (laughs) um best visual effects went to dune um I think I voted for. I might have voted for Dune, or I voted for No Time to Die, or did I vote for Shang Chi? <laughs> I can't remember. I think I voted for No um, Time to Die. I think I voted. See, I can for never Shang-Chi. remember. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, if we remember, we'll bring it up. Best hair and makeup went to the eyes of Tammy Faye. Um, I voted House of Gucci <laughs> just because oh, uh, I thought you know Jared Leto's. Um, uh, I just thought it was hilarious the hair and makeup in that movie. I can tell you I voted for neither one of those, but I can't tell you what I voted for. <laughs> Nightmare Alley, Dune, Cruella. I think it was Cruella. Yeah. Um, uh, we went through best song, best score. Uh, production design went to Dune. Um, I think I voted for West Side Story. I think I voted for West Side Story as well. Um, best costume design went to Cruella. I voted for Cruella. I also voted for Cruella. Uh, best editing went to West Side Story, and I voted for West Side Story. I did as well because I <laughs> felt that, like, even though that was a very long movie, it was yeah. very well paced yes. for the length that was. Uh, and love those and match cuts. <laughs> yeah, and love that shot um, of uh, Ansel Elgort. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> On the video, we're doing this horrible face that he does. Uh, best cinematography: Ari Wagner for The Power of the Dog. That's what I voted for. Same. Uh, best adapted screenplay went to Jane Campion for *The Power of the Dog*. I believe I voted for *Coda*. No, I voted for *Lost Daughter* here, Maggie Gyllenhaal. I either voted for *Power of the Dog* or *Lost Daughter*. I cannot remember which one. That's okay. Uh, best original screenplay went to Kenneth Branagh for *Belfast*. Uh, I think I voted *Licorice Pizza* here. I voted licorice pizza. Yeah, because I King Richard don't look up and being the Ricardos, I, I don't think I would have uh voted for so <laughs> Aaron Sorkin, um, man. As much as like I have some issues with some of the stuff in Licorice Pizza, I still think out of those nominees, 
Um, I I was definitely yeah. Um, if something like Pig was in in that category, that would have been a nice yeah. Again, like Critics' Choice, it's not necessarily has to be about like voting mm-hmm. for the films that are going to be nominated. You know, yeah. where's Bergman Island? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, best acting ensemble, Belfast took it. Uh, I believe I, I might have voted for Belfast. Uh, the other nominees were Don't Look Up, The Harder They Fall, Licorice Pizza, Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. I voted for uh, The Harder They Fall. Um, that's an inspired choice. Um, uh, Jude Hill won uh, Best Young Actor or Actress for buddy in belfast i voted for i'm not your buddy guy i think i either voted for amelia jones in coda or rachel ziegler in west side story i voted for amelia jones in in coda yeah i think i did as well uh best supporting actress was ariana debose for west side story uh that's who i voted for who was nominated again? Uh, Katrina Balf, Ann Dowd, Kirsten Dunst, Anjanou Ellis, and Rita Moreno. Kirsten Dunst. I Best Supporting for. Actor, Troy Kotzer for CODA, who is who I voted for. Cody Smith-McPhee um, was my vote. Uh, Best Actress was Jessica Chastain in the eyes of Tammy Faye. Uh, I voted for Alana Haim in Licorice Pizza. Interesting, because I really love that movie and that performance, but I voted for somebody that I thought like, oh, if if somebody would have a chance of maybe doing well out like Olivia. See, Coleman. this is where I yeah, I was thinking the award stuff, you know, where I'm being a hypocrite now, where it's like, okay, you don't have to vote for the same thing. No, but I was like, yeah. you know, so I voted I, for I love I think Olivia Coleman's amazing. I but just, I loved um, uh Alana Haim too in in, in She was my favorite so. part of Licorice Pizza, yeah. So uh, best actor went to Will Smith in King Richard as the titular King Richard. Uh, I voted for Nicholas Cage. The Cage, yep. Yeah. Um, best director uh, went to Jane Campion uh, for Power of the Dog. And that was the kind of infamous moment where she uh, grossly and weirdly made comments about Serena and, and Venus Williams and having to compete against men. And it was just very awkward and just I, on uh, like, it was just unnecessary. No. Um, and, and it was I in just, the moment though as yeah. well. And, and I think partly like, I'm not trying to defend what Jane Campion said, but at and the she's same apologized t- since. Yeah. And like you watch it and it's like, it's not the end of the world kind of like, I think it's like, just uh, her she, intentions she, she, were she one thing. She misspoke, and, then, yeah. and yeah, and I and I think partly it was like because Serena and v- Venus Williams have competed against men yeah. in tennis, and it is a male dominated sport. The yeah. way that directing, I mean, and everything if that anything, they've gone through too. The yeah. difference is, you know, when when filmmaking first started, filmmaking was not looked at as as uh, a lucrative venture, so women were almost as sort of dominant in the directing field as men in, in the silent era into the beginning of talkies. But it was when films became more financially viable that men kind of really took over. So if you're looking at it from that point of view, but again, they both are competing against a patriarchal system. Which... Yeah, and I get what her intentions were in that. It was yeah. just weirdly phrased and just did not come out super great. So No, uh, and, uh... and it also even kind of then makes you look back and be like, okay, well, like, 
you know, the, the, the Sam Elliott interview on yeah. Mark Marin, you know, he, he, the weirdest thing about that whole, like, oh, it was a movie I didn't care for, I think almost is weirder, not because of the Western thing, but because Sam Elliott isn't from the South. He's from Sacramento. Well, that's was, why she said that. She's like, you're, right. you're an actor, not a cowboy. <laughs> like, right, right. And, I mean, like, he's an actor who's played a cowboy sure. one too many times. But the thing is about that interview, when you actually listen to the whole context of it, yeah. it's really not that. As, yeah. Yeah, it's a guy I, who has his, his opinion. And yeah. then, like, he even shits on um, Yellowstone, which he's a part of the prequel series. Like, he says that Yellowstone is just basically Dallas. Uh, the 80s soap opera yeah. series. I think so, a like, lot of times people see these things out of context, the short clip they have. Or no the idea, tweet, like, right? The like tweet, the, the, yeah. they take that and say like, oh, well, that's what is being said. Yeah. And that there's a little bit means... more to that. But I will also yeah. say that it was just like, you didn't need to bring them up. Like, it's just focus on your movie and the people who made your movie. Like, it was just a weird thing. Like a lot of people were focusing on them um, being there. And I'm like, I, I get it, guys. But just like it focus on you know i don't know i get what her intentions were and i think it just came out really wrong but right well it's um, even the same thing with interviewing sam elliott like it 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 almost kind of plays into the like the thing it's like i'm sick and tired of hearing interviewers ask directors about what they think of marvel Marvel movies. movies yeah i'm sick and tired of of you know, interviewers asking people to get like the provocative answer from somebody who maybe is a little bit more conservative mm-hmm. in general, because you kind of know what the answer is going to be. Yeah. And I, I get people wanting, again, these th- topics, cause I, I hate just the sound bites of like, you know, the, the shit that you hear over and over again from the junket circuit and all that stuff. So some of this stuff is, I think kind of interesting uh, to talk to people about because it is what's popular in, in, film and entertainment so i get the appeal of bringing these topics up and these things up with other people in interviews because i think that's why mark maron's a very good interviewer or other people i'm not saying some of these people who ask these marvel questions are good interviewers but um i think there are interesting conversations to be had it's just when you're just trying to get a soundbite from someone to either shit talk like even the Scorsese Marvel stuff, right? Like a lot of this stuff is so out of context and people just see, oh, Scorsese shits on Marvel movies. Where if you like go and read the entire interview or listen to the entire quote, it's really not that bad. And it's almost like someone going, it's not for me. Uh, they're theme park rides. They're enjoyable. But like, I just, I'd rather do this or, or in any case, it's just like, I don't know. It it was a weird moment though, I will say. And I just yeah. felt like even watching it live, I was like, just no well everybody's also really um, drunk at that point and like I again was, i yeah. i don't know why you would bring it up other than like you know you know these incredible athletes and and executive producers are yeah. in the room and probably sharing a, a sure. table or a seat near you but yeah it's it's just one of those things where it's like okay you know I think at the point as we're talking about it, people have kind of moved on already. Totally, and that's like totally. a new cycle in general. Like even the Sam Elliott stuff, it's kind of like the person who had the best reaction to that when asked, I think was Jesse Plemons. And Jesse Plemons just literally said, you know, 
Sam's entitled to his opinion, and that's and that's in most cases, right? Yeah. So, and then best be like also, Jesse Plemons, uh, which mostly most people usually are. And yeah. Twitter can be an interesting spot to be on during a lot of this stuff. A lot of opinions there, um, and it's also just like so. Like that's the thing where it's like sometimes you really do need to like take a break for like twenty four yeah. hours away from it because it literally yeah. is this new cycle of like, okay, this is the person we hate because this person said this, whether it be. And there's one something that just, is dumb or something that is out of context a lot of it's hyperbolic extremes it's yeah like, it's no it's just like everyone either very mad on one side or defending it so much on the other side so uh, yeah. you know i think rightfully so sometimes in certain cases yeah but, well even with william um, hurt passing away like yeah i think, I think there's Hurt's some great actor but brought up his relationship um with, with marley matlin marley matlin but also um uh, another um producer and, and i apologize i'm forgetting her name you know there has been um documented and now they still use the words like um allegedly Alleged, and things yeah. like that because they have to um because the family could sue yeah uh and it hasn't been proven but when you when you read these articles you have to take that into consideration and and you can't just you know i mean a lot of people are are did mention it or at least said something along the lines of like oh he led a very complicated or, yeah. or complicated life and 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 again like i think william hurts um was a a great actor especially in movies like broadcast news and smoke and things like that but you can't not ignore some of that either because it's there and you know this affected this person and like even when you read like marley matlin's reaction to it I think she was being very considerate of William Hurt's family Mm -hmm. where like she could have been a lot more critical and also kind of just totally more vulnerable and open and had that conversation. But she almost weirdly took a high road in, again, it's a very complicated. She just said it's all in my book or whatever. Right. Exactly. yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway. Um, and then best picture also went to the power of the dog. Uh, and I voted diggity dog. I mean, the hot discourse right now, I voted for the movie on the other side of the hot discourse, which won, uh, the PGA and the DGA, which was no, not DGA. No, no, no. Cause Jane Um, Campion won the SAG. Sorry. SAG and PGA went to CODA and that's what I voted for. Yeah. Um, so now where we're at is interesting because you voted you for Power of the Dog, I'm assuming. Yes. Um, no, I voted for Licorice Pizza. Oh, Sorry. okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, because again, I tried to spread it out a little bit, like just in terms of like I didn't want to pick like just like like I voted for Jane for for directing. I voted for Licorice Pizza for Best Picture, even though I knew that wasn't going to win. But yeah. Um, what's interesting now, it, looking at the discourse, it does seem to be between three movies, and those three films are in the in the ranking order belfast at number three and then the two that are kind of like okay who's going to be the first streamer to win yeah. the best picture uh award is it going to be kind of want apple, apple to tv plus just to piss off netflix yeah. even more and <laughs> we've then been netflix trying power for... the dog yeah, yeah and then then apple netflix just like casually so much behind power of the dog yeah too. where apple kind of has but only when it started 
kind of connecting with critics and awards groups like Mm -hmm. coda like was something that like even when the movie was being released back in the summer of of uh, like it didn't get much promotion right even with the tragedy of Macbeth, like there wasn't a whole lot there for it to be like oh we're really pushing for denzel and and the cinematography and even though they got nominated you know it it was almost like okay well you're just like Coda is that kind of interesting underdog story there, but the backlash now with any film that kind of is in contention, I think Coda is a better movie than say Green Book. Um, but the backlash is because it is a popular movie and it may not be as austere compared to Power of the Dog. It's, it's a feel good movie, right? Yeah, well, point. like people saying that, like, oh, it's just like a Disney Channel film of the weekend. I'm like, I'm like okay, you, that like, is I, another hyperbolic bullshit kind of yeah. statement. It's just but ridiculous. What I, do, I, what I do find interesting, and this isn't this isn't this isn't to do with hyperbolics. This is more to do with just statistics. Yeah. So the trajectory of what this movie is following in is the same path as little miss sunshine did back in 2006 where little miss sunshine won the sag award won the pga was also a sundance hit was bought for millions of dollars the um Just little like miss sunshine was bought by searchlight at that time um but then it lost best picture at the oscars to the departed the difference with the power of the dog versus coda and versus like little miss sunshine versus the departed is that both the departed and little miss sunshine were kind of crowd pleasers where like because the 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 departed is a very commercial accessible martin scorsese gangster movie that's very fun and where power of the dog not super accessible no with the exception of critics critics that's what i mean more than once but yeah yeah, so like i feel like that's kind of where the one kind of it doesn't align there completely where like the closest thing to coda i would say would probably be don't look up or even dune like in terms of like having that accessible quote-unquote art movie that has some commentary of some sort in there where the power of the dog has its passion and i think like jane campion will win director and and, i agree and like i would love to see ari wagner win be the first woman to ever win for i hope that also happens and i could see that happening but i can also see something like you know but I don't necessarily see like like I still could see like Coda right now being that number one feel good choice. Like, even so. if you don't love Coda, you still like it. Like I save don't necessarily it, save it love... for the Oscars prediction. We'll talk show. about it more. I know we but will. like <laughs> I like Coda a, a lot. I don't yeah. necessarily think it's an awards film, but I think it's a good movie, and and I think it's a very watchable, likable. Out of movie. the nominees, I, it's it's the thing I enjoyed the most, and I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff sometimes. Right. Like, but it does it well. Of, I think a lot of people are, and that's why I I do believe it's winning. And that, like, if you look at a lot of this stuff, a lot of it is either. To me personally, I was having this discussion with Kevin and, and Rihanna. That's who we saw, who was on an episode of the, the show before. You guys can check. She got the back on soon. Yeah, um, having great movie conversations with them. Um, they love the Batman, so had a great conversation about the Batman with them. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. We'll save it for the Oscars prediction, uh, and we should have a good conversation there because, like, I, I could see it going the way that you're saying. And I won't specifically say that so we don't continue that conversation here. But I, 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 it totally makes sense that Power of the Dog won this. Um, and BAFTA even. Because and, yeah. BAFTA, like again, like not to stereotype, but it does feel like the 
BAFTA members are more quote unquote kind of refined and um, a little bit more open to kind of difficult films. And, and I think the I mean, Academy like you even will go more feel good. Than... Yeah. And you even look in supporting actors, supporting actors, actually an amazing microcosm of what this whole season has been. So Cody Smith McPhee has been winning and been nominated for so many critics awards and but was doing Kotzer so well. In, baby. And then when it came to the groups where, there are actual Academy members like SAG. Um, Kotzer, Troy Kotzer for Coda has been has been winning everything. I mean, Kotzer even actually won the BAFTA. So, like, I think he's got that wrapped up in the yeah. bag for supporting actor. And so, like, I feel like that's kind of showing you that, like, Coda and is Cody Smith McPhee will will movie. get nominated again. He's very young still, and like, yeah, I feel like that maybe comes into play. So, yeah, let's have an interesting conversation about Oscar predictions in uh, the next. episode. That was just a tease, a little, a little, little, little snippet. teaser. Uh, but now. Uh, we're going to talk awesome. about Grimace. <laughs> oh God, I was so. We need to talk that. about Grimace because <laughs> when you you tweeted this conspiracy theory that did you go on that Wikipedia page because it's awesome. I, well, I did because uh, after you tweeted about it. Okay, so tell us about this Grimace conspiracy. Okay, this is that news. Critics' this Choice is, is done. News. I was happy to vote for my first year. Excited yes. for next year. Yeah. Um. Okay, <laughs> Grimace. Um. I think it was the same night I watched Mystery Alaska. Um, I so you were stoned. Oh, yeah. Oh, I absolutely was, Eric. Um, or it might have been another night, but um, I didn't know Grimace was back. Did you know Grimace was back? I thought he was gone. I didn't know he and ever like, left. I, oh, he was gone. I knew it. I knew he was gone because he was everywhere in like the nineties, and then like yeah, uh, all Is of the McDonald's still there. Not really. They haven't used him in anything, but that whole McDonald's, um, like Ville kind of, you know, your Mayor McCheese, your Hamburglers, your Grimaces. Um, who's the who's the duck? The bird? Yeah, yeah, forget. But I remember her too. But anyways, I'm watching. A, I'm just watching TV, and a commercial comes on, and it's a Toronto Raptors McDonald's commercial, which they've done. They've partnered with them for a while. Sorry if there's background noise. Nevis is cooking. Um, so. Grimace is playing one-on-one with the Raptor from the Toronto Raptors. And I'm like, holy shit, Grimace is back and he's playing basketball against the Raptor. Um, And I was like, recorded the commercial. Then I found the tweet. Then I tweeted, holy shit, Grimace is back. Then I went on Grimace's McDonald's wiki page on the McDonald's wiki, not Wikipedia, the McDonald's wiki page. And there's this hilarious, like, breakdown of uh, just the wording in it was great where it's like grimace he disappeared <laughs> and like witness he re- protection yeah he returned so i highly suggest everyone go over to grimace's wiki page on the mcdonald's wiki and read about grimace but and i found where out do you that think he originally I, I don't know he did something horrible probably and <laughs> grimace got canceled and then had to go into hiding <laughs> mayor um, mccheese hit him somewhere but I've always loved Grimace because I'm just like, what the hell is this big purple tongue? Like, I just don't understand what this I is. I always thought and he was like, like a nugget that had gone bad. But that's really, what I those thought too, remember people would never go bad because there's so many preservatives in them. But remember people said there was like pink goo that became the nuggets, um, which I. But he's purple. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's why I thought, oh, maybe it's the pink goo. So here, I'm on Grimace's wiki page so I can read it for everyone. <laughs> Does it say so, what is Grimace? Uh, yeah. Uh, he was voiced by Frank Welker. <laughs> so nice. Frank Welker voiced everyone. Um, so originally, here's the origins of Grimace, everyone. Uh, originally, Grimace was the evil Grimace with two pairs of arms with which to steal milkshakes. 
after that first campaign, the character was revised to be one of the good guys. So he started off as a villain, uh, then, you know, a face turn. Become, they removed two of his arms and then he only so it was has, an arm turn yeah so he has only two arms now um the commercials and merchandise generally portray him as a well-meaning simpleton whose clumsy antics provide a comic foil to ronald mcdonald their words not mine everyone i'm quoting right. from the wikipedia page the character was retained after the streamlining of the characters in the 1980s and was one of the few members to also be retained until the end of the McDonald's commercials. Okay, here's where it gets good. Following an appearance at Dodger Stadium on July 18th, 2012 versus the Philadelphia Phillies, dancing to Ram Jam's 1977 classic Black Betty, Grimace seemingly disappeared. The wording, incredible. <laughs> um so that's he, a headline right after there. i love the specifics of that where it's like he danced to black betty at a philadelphia phillies game and then disappeared so i don't know what he did during that dance to black betty but uh or maybe someone had something on him so for a number of years grimace vanished from public life only appearing in Malaysian Happy Meal toys. His first public appearance after his 2012 disappearance was at the 2020, which is only like two years ago. This is in COVID. Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade alongside Ronald McDonald. So he came back in 2020. So after eight years um of being, of being a uh, malaysian toy for, yeah, for kids yeah he appeared once again with ronald and the hamburglar during the 2021 macy's day thanksgiving parade so he only gets let out of whatever dungeon ronald mcdonald is holding him in um for the for, macy's thanksgiving for yeah yeah maybe he's something to do with thanksgiving so in early 2022 the mcdonald's tiktok and twitter accounts began using Grimace in promoted video posts featuring an animated Grimace ordering food at a McDonald's, beginning his order by saying, can I get a, and then that's it. So that's, and now he's back playing the Toronto Raptor in a, in a commercial. So Grimace, back in a he's big back. Way. Uh, I got to write a time code that says uh, one hour, four minutes, Grimace's origin. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think that's going to be the title of our, our episode. Holy shit. Grimace is back. <laughs> Um, yeah, the critics choice will love it too. Um, that's funny. Uh, I mean, okay. That's the real winner of the critics choice awards this year is Grimace. <laughs> An honorary critics choice winner Grimace for all. Or he the... could be the host next year. Oh my God. That'd be great. <clears throat> Just get McDonald's to sponsor it. Uh, okay. Let's do the super awards now after that little intermission break. Um, so the critics choice super awards, uh, not televised, uh, it was just sent out in like a you know a tweet thread and and a press release, correct, Eric? Is that yeah, it? I saw um, some of it on Instagram. I was yeah. like, that's where I first saw it. So. Um, Eric and I both voted in this as well, so it's a separate awards that uh you know focuses on superhero films, action films, sci-fi films, um, horror, um, fantasy, um, kind of these diff- genre movies, different things like that, um. Uh, I don't know what the exact criteria uh, is for what qualifies. I guess it's just one of those genres. But um, Eric and I both voted in that. So we can go through kind of the winners um, for the film side of things. So best villain in a movie was Willem Dafoe in Spider-Man No Way Home. 
Uh, I love Defoe in that movie, but I voted for. Um, uh, oh my God! Why am I blanking? Gabriel? Um, no, he wasn't even nominated. He wasn't. No, damn it! Because uh, it's the actors, so I don't think. Um... I thought he, I thought the actors were nominated for for Gabriel. Oh my God! Now I gotta pull up the nominees again. Um, Critics Choice <clears throat> Super Awards. There we go. I need. Uh, do they have the 2022 one? Ceremonies 2022. Here, I got it now. Sorry, my bad, everybody. My bad. So uh, I voted for Tony Lung in Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Oh, you did? Yeah, they were nominated. I didn't That's even see that. For. Damn it! I, I didn't even see that. Oh, Man, I really. I gotta. I gotta look. Up. That maybe yeah. I'm the one vote that cost Gabriel. This, you asshole. The, um because the other Grim- nominee <laughs> grimace is now gonna come for you uh grimace and gabriel <laughs> that's a team up movie um damn i didn't i didn't even realize that that's my bad because i voted yeah. for tony lung so um also i mean Idris- tony I- lung is great but he's no gabriel <laughs> yeah idris elba and ben affleck were also nominated and tony todd for Candyman. um for best actress in a superhero movie, Florence Pugh won as Yelena uh, Belova in Black Widow. Uh, that is who I voted for because who you also had nominated? Gal Gadot for Zack Snyder's Justice League, uh, Scarlett Johansson for Black Widow, Margot Robbie for The Suicide Squad, Michelle uh, Yeoh for Shang-Chi, and Zendaya for No Way Home. I think I voted for Florence Pugh as well. Uh, best actor in a superhero movie. You had Andrew Garfield win for Spider-Man No Way Home as Peter Parker, Spider-Man, or Peter 3. Uh, also <laughs> nominated were John Cena, Idris Elba, Tom Holland, Tony Lung, and Simu Liu. Uh, I believe I voted for Tony Lung again. Interesting. I voted for Garfield because I think it was his best performance as Spider-Man. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's also a spoiler. <laughs> I mean, it's not anymore because everything's, uh, you know, out there for all the, I have it on digital now. It's available on digital and the uh, 4k should be coming out soon. April. Um, yeah. Um, best superhero movie went to Spider-Man no way home. Uh, the other nominees, which I voted for, um, black widow eternals, Shang-Chi, the suicide squad and Zack Snyder's justice league were the other nominees. Oh, a well-deserved winner. Uh, best actress in a science fiction fantasy film. Um, the winner was Rebecca Ferguson for Dune. Uh, so half of a movie. Um, <laughs> Kate Planchett for Don't Look Up. Jodie Comer for uh, Free Guy. McKenna Grace for Ghostbusters Afterlife. Jennifer Lawrence for Don't Look Up. And Alicia Vikander for The Green Knight. I voted for Vikander. I voted for McKenna Grace for Ghostbusters because I thought she was the best part of that movie. Uh, best actor in a science fiction fantasy film, Dev Patel wins Hell for The yeah. Green Knight. Uh, also nominated was Mahershala Ali, Timothy Chalamet, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, <laughs> yeah, Tom Hanks, and Ryan Reynolds. I also voted for Dev Patel. Um, best science. How can you not? Yeah. Yeah, he's easily the best performance in all of those. The man is just so um, majestic looking with that sweet is. beard. Yeah. Uh, best science fiction fantasy film went to the first half of Dune. 
Um, don't look up free guy, the green Knight, the Mitchells versus the machines and swan song were also nominated. I voted for the Mitchells versus the Machines. I voted for green Knight. You bastard. You cost Mitchells versus the machines. Hey, you cost um, Gabriel, which is even more. I'm really mad. I voted. No, I had to, cause I voted for Gabriel and something. So it must've been that. Wait, let's keep going. Best actress. There is another category. Best there. actress in a horror movie. Um, is it Agatha or Agatha? Uh, Agatha. Agatha for, Ur- for Ursel. T-10. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Uh, for T10, I voted for her. Same. Uh, Barbara Crampton. Uh, Jacob's. Jacob's uh, wife. Rebecca okay. Hall uh, for The Night House. Thomas and McKenzie for Last Night in Soho. Millicent Simmons for A Quiet Place. And Anya Taylor-Joy for Last Night in Soho. Uh, best actor in a horror movie went to Yaya Abdul Mateen II for Candyman. Uh, the other nominees were Nick Cage for Willie's Wonderland, uh, Dave Davis for The Vigil, uh, Vincent Linden for T10, uh, Killian Murphy for A Quiet Place Part Two, and Sam Richardson for Werewolves Within. Uh, I'd like a lot of these people nominated. I voted for Vincent Linden for T10. Same. I um, also voted for The Linden. Best Linden's horror chocolates. movie. <laughs> went to a quiet place part two uh so this is where i voted for malignant i Same. voted for best horror movie so Move the other nom- quiet place part two it's yeah all malignant. <laughs> yeah uh the other nominees were Candyman, last night in soho malignant the night house and t10 uh so i thought because i i really i forgot i just voted for malignant here and then i probably just zoned out and didn't see it there and i'm really you're mad. like your job is done <laughs> i don't think it would have won anyway if i changed oh, no, my no. vote but. i mean i i think t10 is the better movie in that category but i mean in terms of what that category is, I think Malignant kind of fits better than I mean T ten is still a genre movie, but I like Malignant more than T ten. But Oh, interesting. Um I think both. Are good I, I like movies. both. Yeah. I mean they're they do different things. You know? They are very different movies. It's hard yeah. to even compare them. I mean they both have um, body horror elements. Yeah. That's totally. one thing that you can compare them with. Uh, best actress in an action film, Jodie Comer for uh, The Last Duel wins. Uh, Anna de Armas for No Time to Die. Karen Gillan uh, for Gunpowder Milkshake. Regina King for The Harder They Fall. Lashana Lynch for No Time to Die. And Maggie Q for The Protégé. Uh, I don't love the movie, but I believe I did vote for Jodie Comer because I think she was the best part of The Last Duel. I did really love Anna de Armas. Uh, and I really did love Lashana Lynch, but I just felt like there wasn't enough of them in those movies. Right. So I voted for Jodie Comer. I voted for Anna de Armas, but I the reason why I didn't vote for Jodie Comer, who I do really like in that movie, is because I didn't feel it was really an action film. I agree with that. That's uh, why I didn't vote for her, because I think like I would have voted for her if it was like best drama or yeah i think because it's a fantasy or i'm not a fantasy but like it's um, not a fantasy <laughs> sorry uh, you know what i mean i meant like you know um because i mean it, it has genre elements because it like it has i'm surprised like, it's it, it, it yeah i guess that's why it's considered in this because like i don't even think the last duel should probably be in the super awards no if no. i'm being honest like yeah it's a little weird it, it's I, I just don't think it should be it's not an like even ben movie, affleck is like, best villain it's like that's icky uh, yeah like that know. to me that is icky like it just i mean he everything. is a villain yes but i don't think he's a villain in that kind of like yeah. comic book horror movie kind last of duel should have not if we were in the because the way the critics choice uh super awards work everyone um is there is a group of uh like a nominating committee 
that do the nominations. So a group of people that get together and come up with the nominations from the Critics' Choice uh, Association. Uh, they get together and they put together. And I think the nominees are, are, are fantastic in, in most categories. Um, they did a great job. I just don't think the last duel, I would have spoken up and been like, I don't think that should be in the Super Awards. Yeah. I think, again, I don't love that movie, but like, even if, you know, objectively, I just don't think that it should be, uh, you know, I don't think it's an action movie. It has an action sequence in it. And I know it's like a, swords and shields kind of thing but that's what i meant by fantasy wrong wording but right um, but but it but it does like in terms of like some of the the historical elements you could see that like i I could almost see like the thinking of the committee being like okay well we you know we put something like the green knight in you know fantasy which is also kind of like medieval-esque in its style but But, that is an actual fantasy based on a fictitious story exactly where this is based on truth and this is more of a chamber piece drama with real stakes and also a, a subject that is not necessarily should be in the same category as a james bond movie exactly um uh best actor in an action movie speaking of james bond daniel craig wins for no time to die the other nominees were dwayne johnson in jungle cruise jonathan majors in the harder they fall mads mikkelsen in riders of justice liam neeson in the ice road and bob odenkirk in nobody i believe i voted for daniel craig I voted for Daniel Craig, but I remember almost voting for Bob Odenkirk there yeah. as well because it was like that performance in that movie is a it's lot great. of fun. But there's another one where it's like I don't know if I would put that in an action it, movie category. No, 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 not no. Uh, what were the what were the nominees again? Just read them off. Uh, Liam Neeson in the Ice Road, Mads Mikkelsen in Riders of Justice. Mads Mikkelsen, that, is, Riders yeah. of Justice isn't really an action movie. It's it's more like this contemplative internalized look at grief and the struggles of kind of being able to move on and like where do you put the blame and are you looking for blame like yeah there are moments of suspense and a couple of kind of like shootouts but they're not done for like it's not I guess an action if, i guess if it has an action sequence like people and it's i automatically can eligible. i can get the nominating committee to be like you know what Writers of Justice, a great movie. Mads Mikkelsen's great in it. He didn't yeah. get a Critics' Choice nomination for that role, so we can kind of say, "Hey, we nominated him for this," even if it doesn't totally make sense. Yeah, because um, even like the Blu-ray um, cover art for that film, it makes it look almost like it is like a '90s biker action movie, and it's not that at all. Yeah, which is interesting. Uh, and then finally, the big one: Best Action Movie. Um, you had the nominees, Wrath of Man, Nobody, The Last Duel, The Harder They Fall, um, Gunpowder Milkshake, and then the winner, No Time to Die. Um, I voted for No Time to Die. Same. And again, um, Last Duel, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe should be there. Not an action movie. Sorry. Nope, There's not at all. It's because, again, what do people remember in movies? The Last fucking 15 minutes and they're also thinking ridley scott films in that like they're thinking oh basically the last duel is him doing gladiator and it's called the last duel but the movie's not really about the duel per se (laughs) like no it's it's, about sexual assault in a time where women didn't have the rights that they needed so to to call it an action movie is just weird like i get it has a big action set piece that's at the very end of the movie so that's what people kind of remember from it but 
Um, I don't know if that's the thing they should be taking away from that movie. Um, but I like that, you know, we do this uh, uh, at the Critics' Choice. Like, I, I, I really do like that um, there's another kind of award ceremony. And there's a documentary um, award show as well. And um, yep. I like that we have these kind of separate things to highlight, even if it's just maybe – you know, sending out the nominees on social and different things like that. It is kind of uh, uh, awesome that we have this other award show that uh, highlights some of these films. Um, so that's cool. Um, pretty, pretty cool. Uh, Eric, any, we can cover some trailers or news before we wrap up. I know we, I mean, we talked about the most important thing, which was Grimace's Grimace. return. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll pull up what we, uh, what we missed we have missed a couple trailers so uh we got the new miss marvel trailer um yep. uh which i really enjoyed um i was I, I was kind of fascinated by how soon that is coming out because i thought that wasn't going to be out until like next year oh really um or even like at the end of this year um, why why did you think that well, I just thought because it would be closer to when Miss Mar or or the Marvels comes out. Like I thought it would be mm-hmm. kind of like almost like timed where it'd be closer to that because the Marvels doesn't come out until twenty twenty three, right? Yeah. So it just I almost think felt it might like, be early next year though, right? right? February, but but then again, I I guess like with WandaVision, like connecting to the next Doctor Strange movie, I mean that was a year apart. Although I think that was partly because of delays, but yeah, I I thought that that was going to be closer to the end of the year because the other thing that's kind of interesting with that trailer not getting into the trailer specifically um, is that like a lot of people are starting to like ask quite a bit about like online about the Thor love and thunder trailer, because you know, it's, it's, we're getting closer now. And And the one piece of thing people keep talking about is now this is the shortest time between trailer and release date for any marvel thing so far so like yeah no way home was the one that was closest and why do you think that is do you think it's just they have so much that they had to get this miss marvel one out first because it's coming out first and then like i think there might be um, a delay even i think that they might even push it back to the end of the year like i i I feel like if we don't get i well if we don't get anything soon like i almost felt like the miss marvel trailer was to counteract some of um the questioning when it came to that trailer being or or people asking about that trailer so it's like okay well we 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 don't have the trailer for this ready uh but we do have this so we'll give you this right now and you can watch this and you know this will be the next thing to kind of follow moon Knight. after that is is released at the uh the end of march um i bet you we get a thor trailer during the oscars on sunday yeah yeah i mean it is an abc telecast so that would probably be a really good spot for them to it'll premiere as a commercial during the oscars and then it'll drop online at the same time it'd be calling it right here or it'd be even better if that was not the trailer, but it was for Next Goal Wins. <laughs> yeah. Is that movie ever coming out? Well, they oh. they did reshoots with Will Arnett replacing uh, Army Hammer. So, mm. And does that go straight to Hulu that'll... now? Right. Or do you go off the Taika name and you try to put that in theaters, right? But I, don't I know. think Taika will probably want to fight for that to be in theaters. Yeah. 
I, I I'll call it here, and I think that you're getting uh, Thor: Love and Thunder on the Oscars on Sunday, and then we'll get a uh, it'll premiere. That'll be during the show. They'll they'll have it during the show. That's what actually. Cut I mean, out that's what I I made two a, of the awards. I made a joke about it, and I uh, you know, but I wouldn't be surprised if that eventually starts happening because if you look at the what I'm going to save it. Let's save it for the Oscar um, preview show. Um, okay. But I did like the Miss Marvel trailer. I thought I loved the high school vibe. It reminded me of you know Spider Man Homecoming and stuff like that too. And but well, I, even with I turning loved, red recently, yes, as well, like the even the the weekend animations or, and then like it takes yeah. place in Jersey, right? But it yeah. is a Canadian lead with a, a Canadian oh, singer. It was definitely CanCon for sure. Yeah. Yes, um, and I thought that was uh, it was just it was awesome. I, I really liked the vibe of it. Uh, I loved her. Um, uh, curious of who the villains are, how that story will play out, but I think that'll be a wonderful uh, thing to look forward to on Disney Plus. We're close to Moon Knight as well, which is awesome. We also which got we'll the probably have a review for very soon, soon, very soon, very soon. Um, and then we also got the Obi Wan Kenobi trailer, which I don't think we've talked about because no. uh, we've been off for the last couple of weeks, which I haven't stopped watching, and I just like I I couldn't I couldn't where fathom, is he? I couldn't fathom <laughs> that I'd be pumped for a prequel era Star Wars kind of thing again um with prequel characters but you know ewan mcgregor was one of the best parts of i think that prequel trilogy and um that obi-wan trailer rips dude like uh you know another toronto uh focused thing with deborah chow um or deborah cho deborah chow um directing uh all those episodes um super pumped for that i mean and i just said like duel of the fates just fucking does a rips. lot of heavy and like, lifting and it does like i i'm still i like the trailer too yeah. but i do feel like you can score duel you could put that over literally a pile of garbage and it'll morbius just, like, you could put that over morbius yes. and it would make it i might do that after this i'll just put the morbius trailer and just play duel of the fates and go look this movie looks awesome now and it's just <laughs> like you could put that over literally anything and it's gonna make it sound and look awesome but like yeah i can't explain to you the first time when i watched that trailer right here on my computer when duel of the fates comes on i'm just like oh and like i just got full body <laughs> chills and i was like this is awesome and i just i don't know I'm, I'm curious of what that story will be like we know kind of what obi-wan has been doing on tatooine like protecting luke but we don't know like the details and there's been some stories about him pr- protecting luke and i i almost think that might be a red herring of and I tweeted this, and I know it, a lot of people won't love it, but I wouldn't be surprised if they involve Grogu and connect some of that modern Star Wars TV with prequel era, you know, cl- classic now Star Wars, however you feel about those movies. But, like, um, my theory there is that the Luke stuff will be a red herring and you think he's protect like this whole show is about him protecting Luke, but we see him go off world. We see them asking about where is he and stuff like that. And I'm like, are they talking about Luke? Are they? And my theory is that they're talking about Grogu and part of this show is going to be him. Well, cause Vader going... doesn't know that Luke is even alive. That's what right? I mean. Like... So like I have this weird feeling that this show is going to tie into Mandalorian and is going to tie into all the other TV stuff that they've been doing. They brought in a director from Mandalorian. Um, you know, it's not showrun by Filoni and, and Favreau. I mean, Favreau's the showrunner on those other shows, but Filoni's heavily involved. But like, 
you know, obviously Filoni having that history doing Clone Wars and you have Anakin and Obi-Wan in that show and that show really developed those characters probably way better than the prequel movies ever did. And I think having, you know, Hayden Christensen come back for this show and you'll probably get flashbacks with him as Anakin in that Clone Wars era kind of timeline and then you'll have him as Darth Vader as well. And I just have this weird feeling like that, you know, Obi-Wan's thing will be protecting other young Jedi um that are still the like, ones that, that are remain. around yeah and that's after because you the inquisitors which are awesome you know jedi hunters um really prominent in the jedi fallen order video game and that i played on on playstation a couple years ago and i just and rupert friends playing one of them right yeah like, he's, he's playing like the playing grand with... inquisitor like the lead yeah. inquisitor and then we I also like saw guy. sung kang as one of the inquisitors which Who is awesome weirdly like, looks like a mushroom yes because his head kind of like uh it's he... like there's this there was this show i used to watch it was like a like a mini series kid show that was like this knockoff thing called like um, Jack Kirby and and the future of tomorrow and one of them is when he visits this mushroom planet and there are all these characters that look like giant mushroom people yeah and he just looked like that yeah yeah for sure but the cast is awesome and we haven't even seen you know uh, ben, uh Benny Safdie and uh is it Benny or is it um yeah yeah it's Benny Safdie and we haven't seen O'Shea Jackson Jr. yet um so or Kumail yeah so like the cast still haven't seen a lot of people and I just I have this weird feeling that, you know, it might, I don't know how people will feel about it, but seeing more of Luke with Grogu in, in book of Boba Fett, (laughs) um, which is like a weird sentence. I don't think I would have ever said, thought I'd say out loud like a year ago, even, um, I have this weird feeling that it might not be the central, you know, focus of the series because then it might be a b or c yeah like i think maybe one of the things he does which will be an episode or something like that might be a huge surprise to people when it ends up he is the one who ultimately saves grogu and hides him right because grogu would be pretty about pretty young at this time because grogu is 50 some years old right and then um so I feel like, and Grogu would still look like Grogu because he ages so slowly. So like, I, I really have this feeling that Grogu will be involved and Obi-Wan will be part of saving him and hiding him. And that right. will be a part of the show. Uh, don't know how people will feel about that. I don't even know if that's a good idea, but that's just kind of where my head goes of me theorizing about the show and then using Luke as kind of a red herring. And don't get me wrong. Will it still be a lot about him having to, you know, stray people off course so they don't find luke sure and will it be other young jedi i think so um will we get to see how the moisture farm works i hope so joel edgerton back you know joel edgerton like working behind the scenes like this is how blue milk is made i hope we get little luke drinking some fucking blue milk again so we see (laughs) nah i do Um, i do really like though how these series have been pulling from the prequels but taking the stuff that did work or at least were an interesting idea so bring Watto back you cowards jar jar bring him if they're going to if they're going to bring Watto into the or jar jar they're going to be in this series yeah or at least a mention of them um i could see jar jar showing up too for at least like a a one episode or dark jar jar dark jar (laughs) (laughs) um but or darth jar i guess um but yeah like i i do like that dave filoni has kind of taken 
the best of the prequels and is now making them work really well. And I have to say, even with the Book of Boba Fett, I think I've liked all of the series stuff that we've gotten so far with the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett um, more than Rise of Skywalker. I think Star Wars now actually works a lot better On as... TV, yeah as a series and not just like one series. Like I think the Mandalorian still is it was so a episode better than Boba fo- Fett as a character, but it was so episode focused anyway. Right. Like look yeah. at the, the names of them. Right. So I feel yeah. like that serialized storytelling does actually really work for star Wars. And I'm absolutely with you. Do I still hope we get big movies, but yes, Do you but still like... have a new hope for a new. Movie? <laughs> All right. What other trailers we got? Puss in boots. But I wanted to um, also mention another character that I kind of yeah. want, like, cause I really loved, um, Cad Bang, a Bane. Cad, Cad Bang. <laughs> I want to bang Cad Bang. I kind of do. Uh, uh, is an amazing character. So I, I do hope that there's some more. He of could those. show up. Yeah. Well, not just him, but like other characters other that hunters, kind like... of are very iconic looking and just are are like they feel like they've been ripped from the animated version or um, concept designs. Like I yeah. would love to see. Um, uh, who's the character yeah, that? Well, Yaddle, uh, that's something we could talk about. This this could be where Yaddle is <laughs> brought Yoda back get, in. Yeah, get it Yaddle on, get their Yoda's cat bang on. <laughs> <laughs> but I would like, is, uh, is it the seventh sister who's also like yeah. one of the Inquisitors? Yeah, yeah. Um, because she's in... They're called she's brothers voiced and by, sisters, yeah. Yeah, because she was voiced by Sarah Michelle Gellar in the animated series. And then she's also killed off Because Freddie Prince Darth Jr. Maul. is a Jedi too. Yeah. Like, Canine. And Darth Maul's another character where, like, I could think show up, but could or I, at least be mentioned. I don't think he should because there's a whole thing that Obi Wan and Darth Maul already had a showdown on Tatooine. In but they in, could save that for season Rebels. two. Or like but in the Rebels, end... they already had that, right? So people don't. Was well, that continuity want... going to be a part of it? It should be because all right. the Clone Wars is, and I think a lot of people don't like. Huge fans of that show hate when people go, "Well, that was an animated." They're like. It's valid. It's part of the story just because it's okay, animated. Hear, like... hear me out. The end of Obi-Wan. We have a scene where Obi-Wan. Alden Ehrenreich could show up. Opens up his own dojo. And then in walks in half of Darth Maul like Kreese from yeah, uh, I would Cobra love Kai. That. I want and the, has a, and I Darth, want the and Darth Maul has a cigar. <laughs> so here's also my pitch. I want those guys to do a Star Wars series at some point. I, I would love that. I know Cobra Kai in the in the Miyagi verse is their kind of Star Wars. They've talked about that, but like I still think that they did Star Wars better than Star Wars did with the whole mentor and bringing people back and well, again taking all the things like, that that were basically fodder for sequels that were just repetition and turning it into something more like the mm-hmm. way what they've done with terry silver on that show it's incredible. is incredible it's amazing and they could i mean that's what they could do with darth maul on this i mean yeah. obviously we saw darth maul you know briefly in solo but like i feel like you could really take a villain like that or a character like that that kind of was cool but also somewhat disappointing based on like how much they were used or underutilized and then recontextualize them in in an interesting way and maybe that'll be darth vader because we haven't seen darth vader at all in in the trailers yeah and this is like darth vader in his prime right and this is the empire (laughs) and this is the empire in like full force too so we haven't at least in live action the emperor has returned god that is sucks that's the worst although i think that's why they're going to involve grogu more because that's right. i think where they're ultimately leading like i think grogu well will that be flashback a part... right of, of yeah. grogu seeing like him 
the the Jedi's being killed off. Yes, right? and then also just like I think wanting his blood to clone and 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 things like that. And there's the history of cloning in Star Wars, and that's how the Emperor comes back. Like I, I the really Grogu do feel has like, returned. Like I really think that Grogu will be involved in that. Um, so we'll see, man. I'm pumped for Obi Wan though. That's coming, you know, relatively soon. I mean, May. Um, yeah, it's uh, gonna be May. End of May. Uh, other things we got, like I mentioned, the Puss in Boots, uh, the Shrek universe has returned. <laughs> the Shrek, Shrek, he's returned. Um, not Max Shrek from Nosferatu. Yeah. Um, or not Max Shrek from I, Batman. Tim Burton's Batman. Yeah, <laughs> I thought the exact thing when you said that. Because that's who Tim Burton named uh, the character. I, I, right when you said that, I was like, ah, never put that together. But now I have. Uh, I thought the Puss in Christopher Walken in that movie is so good. Uh, I thought the Puss in Boots trailer was good. Um, not, I don't think I ever needed to revisit Puss in Boots or or even the Shrek movies, but um, I had I think they had their place in time. But it's yeah. interesting. I thought the animation was really nice, and I actually genuinely thought it was cute. So I don't know. Yeah, and Banderas is actually yeah. really good as uh, Puss in Boots. That was a titular Puss in Boots. Um, not much else to say on that. Uh, I, I mean, other than like the voice cast is pretty good. Yeah, like, totally. Florence Pugh's in there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what isn't she in? She's going to be apparently in Dune 2 yeah. or Dune Part 2, which I laughed when I saw like some of the, the headlines reveal. saying the reveal for the title is going to be Dune Part 2. It's like, yeah, well, what, do you, what else was it going to be? Because it was called anything else that's confusing. Um, Dune Part Dune 1, again. 2. <laughs> <laughs> dune part one two um it's dune we got <laughs> it's the other half we didn't give you um we got a trailer for apollo 10 and a half a space space aged childhood um dick link later is back at it dinky link is back um rotoscoping and this didn't do anything for me dude like I, rotoscoping is just not my thing and um it's not mine later is the is very hit or miss for me but I don't, I, I don't disagree with you on that but i i'm always still up to see a same later movie even when he doesn't like i i think like even though I didn't love Waking Life and A Scanner Darkly, I I do think that there are elements in both of those movies that are interesting enough, and I get why he wanted to do this style of animation. And like even another movie that kind of does this as well, that's not a Richard Linklater movie, but it's 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 a documentary called Tower. You know, like the rotoscoping stuff is such an acquired taste, and I think it maybe would work in like a segment in a movie like Waking Life more than as a full film. Yeah. Um. It's it's just one of those things where like it just Scanner Darkly as well is that yeah well Scanner Darkly is the full yeah. movie yeah yeah um, and, and and again like I understand why he was going for that because it being based on a Philip K Dick story it's like okay like there's this sci fi element that like I you can kind of play around with and that was also the beginning of when Robert Downey Jr was making his comeback because it was Keanu Reeves Winona Ryder Woody Harrelson and 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 Downey Jr and, and Rory Cochran sorry for um, yawning I remember someone called me out on that on something recently. Matt, Sorry. Well, I mean, I, I still think the best is uh, our, our review for The Power five, of the Dog. Five minutes of bullshit. <laughs> we got to frame that. Um, but I think that's the best stuff of our shows is when we're just kind of casually kind of getting Oh, people it. like that stuff. They joke about that with us. It's just funny because with certain reviews, people didn't see this. I tweeted out a, a comment that I didn't even 
it got flagged because the person was r- rude or whatever. So it's not actually, I might just approve it and let it post. It's on not, it's not offensive or anything. It's not, it's, it's like, just like, but when our early reviews, I had, you have to like approve a comment to go on. So I haven't yeah. approved it yet, but I saw it. It was all because up. of dude um, one and a half or dude And a someone half. was just like, these fucking guys just talk for five minutes of bullshit before the actual movie. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what we, well, it's because it's our personalities, right? Yeah, like that's the stuff I love with, podcasts that i listen to i mean I, I i love listening to it for the content that i'm i'm going there i'm for, curious of what we talked review. about during probably just tiff right like during yeah or probably food that we're i think we talked a lot about um egg mcmuffins because we were talking about like that being the sponsor of, <laughs> of tiff <laughs> but the funniest thing is a lot of people just find our reviews by searching power of the dog review or whatever right yeah. so then they go oh, let's click on this one these guys are talking about and it's egg, like five minutes egg of egg McMuffin McMuffin talk. but i agree with you that's why i like the i mean we co- talked about grimace that's why episode. i like the kind of funny guys that's why you like you know film junk film and, junk yeah. and different things it's like you know part of it is just friends shooting the shit yeah they talk personalities about like I, I don't necessarily want to listen to like an overly structured and edited yeah. npr style kind of like yeah like, i mean uh, there's a there's a place there's a place oh yeah your rogers reviews are that kind of thing yeah. right like there is a place for that <laughs> <laughs> they are you know if you want boring no, they, they dumb, are very polished you want boring like dumb <laughs> no i'm just kidding you're being kind um, you're being very kind anyways what else do we get the bubble looks awful yeah, um, I but have... going back to Apollo uh, oh, sorry, one and no. a half, I, I, I have a screener link for it. I'm sure you do as well. Oh, did it already come did through? Did you request it? I yeah, did. I, I got I it on so. Thursday. Oh, maybe I because um... it played at South by Southwest. So um, I got a screener link for that. So we'll probably have a review. I don't think it ever came through for me. What the hell? Um, That's fine. I don't really care. I'll log into my Netflix and see if it's there, but okay. Cause yeah, I, I'm, I'm still excited to see it because I just like Richard Linklater in general, but I think he's at his best when he's doing kind of like hangout movies that are live action, whether it be the before films or everybody wants some, yeah. you know, films no, I like don't that. mine hasn't come through. So I'll have to email. No worries. Yeah. It's all good. Uh, Inside baseball right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, bubble the new Judd Apatow movie, which no covid movies people stop well not just that it just looks really uninspired oh yeah absolutely but i just mean on top of that it's framed with this uninspired it's basically it's basically tropic thunder but in the era of covid like that's kind of what it looks like to me and even though it kind of there's some interesting cast members with david de and um uh maria uh baklava or baklava is it baklava baklova uh not the greek dessert um from the bow rat sequel it it just kind of feels almost like you're watching basically the movies within funny people that adam Adam sandler's adam sandler's character made and i'm usually an apatow apologist too like um king of satin island was okay yeah but this just i don't know i'm hoping expectations are low after that trailer that it ends up being maybe fun but We'll That's see. supposed to come out on April 1st, the same day as uh, our Lord and Savior, uh, Jared Leto's Morbius. Yep. And then um, uh, we got a Bullet Train trailer as well, um, which looks ridiculous, um, but I'm kind of into it. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be a fun summer release. And actually, it just moved into Black Adam's old spot. So it'll be coming out at the end of July instead of the second to last week. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's also just interesting as well, thinking that, um, 
Brad Pitt did Sandra Bullock a favor by being in the lost city. And then she did the same for him for, for bullet train. So, um, you know, like, just like, I kind of like that kind of thing where it's like, Oh, like I've got this like bit role in a movie. If you want to come and do it. Cause she actually replaced, um, Lady Gaga, who was supposed to be in in that role. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, come on. Yeah. And I, and I think like the cast is amazing, like in terms of like who they have, and I'm sure a lot of them will be really smaller roles, but, um, overall, like it, it looks like it could be like a fun summer movie. I think probably at its worst, it'll be just kind of derivative, kind of knockoff stuff of like that kind of hyperbole you know high octane action um but it is also going to be really hard to beat um uh everywhere uh, everything everywhere all the time or all at once pardon me i keep yeah. doing that with that fucking yeah you've title. seen it and um i see it it's really good on tuesday it Can't, is really good and it's and it I'm is a, to see it and we'll talk to you about it's it. a lot of it's a lot of movie like that'll be fun talking yeah. about because it's just it's so hard to kind of like break down into like a couple of sentences and what it is yeah spoiler um, cast probably best for that or what i don't know yeah i mean there's nothing necessarily that i would say that's like spoilers like, but spoiler ish but just in terms of like what the movie is doing with its world building and its ambition and the guys who made the farting corpse movie have delivered on this new plane of, of, you know, existence and what they're doing. But, but again, we'll, we'll talk about it more when, um, when they, you see the movie, the cast for bullet train is incredible though. Yeah. Really? Like I love Michael Shannon's playing Jay Wang. <laughs> the best. <laughs> I love Michael Shannon, bad bunnies in this movie. Zazzy beats. Uh, Logan Lerman, come on, Sandra Bullock, Fury re- uh, reunion there with Brad Pitt. Yeah, 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 great man. By Brian Tyree Henry, Joker reunion with Zazie Beetz. Yeah, yeah they're both yeah, in Joker. Yeah. Joey King, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Joey King, Future Craven. Joey King was in The Dark Knight Rises as a young who you thought was Bane, but wasn't Bane. It's actually Talia, Talia Al Ghul. Um, Al Goulding, Talia Al Goulding. <laughs> All right, that's it. Daughter for of Elliot Gould. Um, oh my God, that Grover Elliot Gould photo still kills me. Like, you know the one I'm talking about on TV Guide yeah. or whatever. Make it real sexy. Um, and then uh, news wise, what have we got lately? We got some. Marvel, well, I mentioned Sony. Craven the yeah. Hunter. Speaking uh, Aaron of Taylor Aaron Taylor Johnson, Johnson yeah. We've got Christopher Abbott joining that uh, film. Cast is it's great a, for that it's movie. It's shaping up to be a really good cast. But then someone made a good point. I forget who it was who tweeted me that was like Venom also had a Venom and Venom Two had pretty. That's good true. Cast. That's true. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yep. You are very right. Fool on me that. once, but I'm like, I do like J.C. Shandor as a director more than both Andy Serkis yeah. and Ruben Fleischer. Yeah. So I have more. Hopefully, faith. there'll be no scene in Craven where it takes place in a Papa John's. I hope not, but we shall see. But because, like, I liked what was the Shandor movie we saw at like Triple Box? Frontier. Triple Frontier with Oscar underrated, Isaac. kind of a fun movie. Well, I mean, like... it's it's J.C. Chander's career has been really fascinating because he started as like you know this indie darling who broke out with Margin Call, yeah, and then after that it was like okay this guy's like the next big thing, and then he does All Is Lost with Robert Redford, and then he does the most final also pretty with, good with Oscar Isaac, yeah, and then That's Triple decent. Frontier was the movie that kind of like almost like a lot of people like turned on him. <laughs> well, <laughs> I liked I, it. 
I think Triple Frontier is a fun movie, but I think the problem with Triple Frontier is that it, it was one of those movies that was like at one point going to be a Catherine Bigelow movie and right, it was going to be right, like Christian right. Bale and Denzel Washington. I'm not saying it's and... anything special, but it was just no, like a no. fun heist movie like to me. Like, I don't know. Right. I had a really good time with that movie. The Atmos sound and the, and the projection at Lightbox probably did elevate that movie a little bit because it was so loud. Uh, I just of, remember Metallica just being like, yeah. holy crap. Do, 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 oh, yeah. Do, do, do. yeah. But but of the Sony-verse people so far, I would see J.C. Chandor is truly the more interesting filmmaker. So yeah. if anybody is going to bring something to... With that uh, cast too, yeah, yeah, and Craven's a really good. Like, I always liked Craven on the '90s animated series, but the thing with Craven though is that is weird. Like, he's always been associated with Spider-Man. Like, the whole point of him coming to New York is to hunt down Spider-Man when he becomes the the Were Spider. Yeah, you know, I, I don't, I don't who oh, Morbius. I'm like. Just, and Morbius is another character again mostly associated with Spider-Man and I know. Blade I just I have no idea how they're gonna do all that um what else uh Chris Nolan and Jordan Peele are helping IMAX develop a new camera uh which is dope and I'm excited to see nope is it dope in, or is it nope yeah in in 65 millimeter IMAX like I oh god I can't wait that should be fun um other than that like and everybody's been cast in uh, Oppenheimer, so uh, yeah, we literally every white person ever. Yeah, <laughs> just and I get it. It's you know for the time and what they're covering. Of course, it's going to be very white, but like when Christopher Nolan's like, like Dunkirk was like, oh great, there's no women, and now with with Oppenheimer, it's, it's like only great, white people. White people. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like the whitest movie of all time. If you're a, a big yeah it's just it's <laughs> where you're going uh, like that. a big actor who right. is you're in that movie it's just like <laughs> it's just ridiculous and i know people are kind of giving him shit for how many you know it's just you look at that cast and it's just like you blinded by it um but you're blinded by the white <laughs> yeah it's just like it makes sense like people are like well yeah of course that movie is that because like what it's covering in the time period and like yeah and i'm not saying that anyways you know what i mean but. And I mean, he did try to diversify with Tenet a little bit, but like at the same time, it was still like, okay, like, yeah, you had one really like great leading man in, in that role. And, yeah. and, but also weirdly, John David Washington was like, kind of, I don't know, like he didn't have the same. I gotta give of, that movie another watch. I mean, I do as well, but like, he just didn't have the same kind of charisma that he had in Black Clansman. I, I, I totally agree with that. Absolutely. Um, what else did we miss everyone? Or should we just wrap this shit up? Um, shut her down. The, uh, Gotham PD TV series is getting morphed into a morph <laughs> into, uh, a Arkham show. It looks like. And then the penguin show officially got had was greenlit for the first season. Which I was laughing when I was listening to the film junk review for the Batman. They were like, oh, man, if it was called The Penguin Show, that would be amazing. <laughs> um, trying to think what else. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, there hasn't really been anything like big in terms of confirmation. Christopher like, Lloyd in the... season three of Mandalorian. Pretty dope. Which is cool. But but like in terms of even like the Dune casting, like with Florence Pugh. Yeah, it's kind of uh, and Austin still, right? Butler. Yeah, like it still hasn't been confirmed yet. So 
Paul Dano's writing Riddler Year One. Good for him. A comic yep. book, not a movie or anything. Um, but yeah, um, I think that's good. Um, thank you all for watching or listening. We really, really do appreciate it. We'll be back later this week with a Oscars preview show where Eric and I kind of break down the uh, Academy Awards and maybe give you guys some predictions from your number one and number two Oscar pundits. Um, the best in the biz. The best in the biz. <laughs> you know, we're probably going to get everyone right. Um, so check Except uh, for the eight that we're not going to mention. Yeah. So check back for that uh, later this week. Uh, please go check out our reviews for um, X and Deep Water, uh, as well as everything else we have over on Untitled Movie Reviews. Um, Especially After Yang. If you can see oh, yeah. After Yang, it is one of the best movies of the year so far. Uh, Playing well at Lightbox here in Toronto. You guys can check out our review. Uh, if you're in the U.S., it's on Showtime. Yeah, so just watch it at home. I mean, it's it would be great in a theater, but um, yeah. if you don't want to go out, uh, Showtime. Oh, we should also mention that um, before we wrap up, uh, we did attend the virtual conference for Turning Red. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, again, like if you want to listen to our full thoughts on the film, which we do add some context from uh, the virtual uh, conference that we both kind of um, – zoomed in or skyped in on um it was fairly kind of like you know the actors had never met before so it was kind of fun seeing them kind of first interact with each other in person and then you had you know domi she um talk about you know her inspirations and growing up in uh toronto at that time and and you know stuff that is very much in the film and um if you haven't seen the movie yet and have uh, uh disney plus it's available right now it's mm-hmm. again pretty good reception really, really... from everyone i've talked to who's watched it you know there's some discourse you know at first there always the, is there always is but like it's i mean there was one tweet specifically that was really ignorant but yeah we won't go into details about but that. But it seems because... like people are really loving it. And I love seeing Toronto on a big stage like that. I love um, what that movie showcases. You guys can check out our review for Turning Red and we go into detail about that. But yeah, going to that virtual press conference was just, uh, it was nice. Again, everyone involved in that movie, it seems very personal to what to your point, Erica, that we, when we talked about that, you're like, this does feel like the most personal Pixar movie that it even though it is from a committee and it is from a big group of people which every movie is but yeah it's always a collaboration process but this is very much almost semi-autobiographical from domi she's you know uh you know her growing up in toronto and and she talked about that and and getting the whole cast that a lot of them being canadian talking about their favorite you know, things about Toronto or their favorite Easter eggs in the movies. So that ones that we spotted and ones that you, we didn't even notice. Um, I thought it was just like a, uh, a really cool insight that I'm sure they'll, they'll talk even more about leading into, um, you know, uh, well, there is a making of on, on Disney, which I really want to watch. I actually haven't yet, which I've heard is excellent. And I knew that they would probably elaborate on a lot of the stuff we talked or, uh, listened to in that, uh, in that press conference. But um, yeah, it's something that I, I don't, we don't do a lot of anymore, but it is, it is nice to have, you know, a good moderator, listen to some good questions and get some insight on, on, on a film. And I do think that it, it, it was super insightful and just being very personal, even for us, um, 
living in being Toronto, the time period and, as well like, when we grew period. up right yeah yeah because even when the talk about boy bands during the press conference and stuff like that was a four lot four fun. baby i wanted to bring up before four but like and it's before four but like and there's um, only three <laughs> it's great and like i really do i really wish i asked that question to domishi because like i feel like whether whoever's idea it was to include this boy band like i feel like before four had to be a thought there because them being from toronto and yeah and, and like again. four town being five yeah. members but yeah. only being called yeah four town yeah. and then like but even her talking domishi talking about like you know sailor moon and anime being yes that was a huge thing and dragon ball z and all this stuff like it's just you can see a lot of that in in the movie and um even before her talking and then her confirming that yeah that's what she grew up with and loved is really really cool yeah everyone go watch turning red what a lovely lovely movie that i wish i had a chance i hope i can watch it in a theater at some point because i feel like that would be wonderful um yeah great we'll see next oscars um for hopefully turning red probably i Um, think best song and uh best uh animated feature for sure I, i would agree um one-stop shop for all of our stuff uh head over to letterboxd uh untitled underscore movies you can find all of our uh video reviews you can find all of our podcasts all of our ratings all of our lists uh maybe we'll put up our pixar rankings or maybe we'll put up uh we got to do more uh transferring some of our lists because i know eric and i do that on our own pages a lot um just follow those yeah. <laughs> you dingus <laughs> um as always my name is matt Rohrbeck. you can find more of my work around the internet but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com and you can follow me on all those social medias at matt Rohrbeck. and i'm eric Marchin. you can find more of my boring video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinema scene just and the you- worst <laughs> garbage like if you, who wants to listen to a, if, a three minute review when you can listen to an hour you know yeah you who- can't spell generic without <laughs> eric Oh, that's um, good that's yeah really and, good. and uh you can follow me on the social medias at em6211 uh until the next time grimace is back and he's purpler than ever <laughs> yeah